is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice, let us rejoice and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice, let us rejoice, and be glad in it, and be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Grace and peace and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia. My name is Taylor Mertens. I serve as the pastor here. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It is a truly wonderful and joyful thing to be gathering with you in this way for worship today, uh, here the first Sunday of June. While this is happening online, 11 o'clock on Sunday morning, I am also simultaneously in the parking lot doing a drive-in worship service. Uh, we're going to be having a couple of those throughout the rest of the month. We'll be having a drive-in service and online service again next week, the 13th. Uh, and then the week after that, which is the 20th, it's only going to be online. And then the 27th of June, we're also going to have a drive-in and online service. That is going to be my final service as the pastor here at Cokesbury United Methodist Church. I believe next week, uh, the 13th, we're going to be having, as I said, online and drive-in. But after the drive-in service next week, we're going to be having kind of a, a celebration as a way to um, sort of mark our time that we've had together over the last four years. But my final service will be the 27th before I move to my next appointment. And this church prepares for Reverend Gail uh, Porras to come and be the next pastor of Cokesbury. Lots of things going on in the life of the church, lots of reasons to be in prayer uh, for the ending of things and for the beginning of things. You can connect with what's going on at the church otherwise through our Facebook page and our website. We're continuing to send out weekly email devotionals, Facebook Live videos, all sorts of really good, important stuff. And that's the best way to stay connected. Uh, there are two links in the video description, whether you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube. One, the first one has the bulletin for our service, which contains our scripture, our hymn, our, our prayers, all that sort of important information. The other is a link for accessing online uh, giving, if that's how you would like to support the church and give to God. So I commend those to you if that, those are all important and helpful for you. Otherwise, let's prepare our hearts and minds to continue to worship God uh, with, with wonder and with joy and hope. So let's just be silent for a moment in prayer. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful, wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Lord, help us not to be put off by you. For Lord, you often talk through scripture in ways that make us uncomfortable. 
you intrude into areas we would prefer to, to keep off limits. You, you make demands upon us that we don't think we can meet. Sometimes you confuse us and push us past the boundaries of comprehension. So give us grace, Lord, to hear you speak and upon hearing you to receive you and in receiving you faithfully to fill you as you are rather than as we would like you to be. Help us, O Lord, to rejoice in the confounding good news of your gospel. And now, O Lord, each of us will pray to you, whether silently or loud, lifting up to you our own joys and concerns this day. And as you taught us, Lord, so now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the gospel according to Mark, the third chapter, verses 20 through 35. Hear now God's word. And the crowds came together again so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, He is gone out of his mind. And the scribes came down from Jerusalem and said, He has Beelzebul, and by the rulers of the demons he casts out demons. And he called to them, and he spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins. And whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him, and, and they called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are outside asking for you. He replied, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our hymn today is number 558 from the United Methodist Hymnal. We are the church. If you're unfamiliar with the words, you can find them in our online bulletin. Otherwise, join me now on the cajon as I play and sing. Sing with me. We are the church. I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world, yes, we're the church together. The church is not a building, the church is not a steeple, the church is not a resting place, the church is a people. I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world, yes, 
church together. We're many kinds of people with many kinds of faces, all colors and all ages, too, from all times and places. I am the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world, yes, we're the church together. Sometimes the church is marching, sometimes it's bravely burning, sometimes it's riding, sometimes hiding, always it's learning. I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world, yes, we're the church together. And when the people gather, there's singing and there's praying, there's laughing and there's crying, sometimes all of it's saying, I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world, yes, we're the church together. At Pentecost, some people received the Holy Spirit and told the goodness through the world to all who would hear it. I am the church, you are the church, we are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world, yes, we're the church together. And the crowds came together again, so much so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, he is gone out of his mind. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is a difficult passage. We're still relatively early in the gospel story. Jesus is baptized by his cousin John in the Jordan. Jesus is tempted in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus sets out in the place of Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, calls disciples, cures the sick, makes some pronouncements about the law, and word starts spreading fast. So much so that the crowds keep coming together to see, to, to hear, to, to, to experience more of this Jesus. To the degree there are so many people, there's not even room for them to eat. And when Jesus' family found out, they were less than enthusiastic. Scripture says they went out to restrain him because they thought he had gone out of his mind. Now immediately, some scribes come busting in from Jerusalem, taking Jesus to task for all of his actions and words. And Jesus responds to everything they say with parables. You think I'm wild? He says, you think I'm beasible? How can I cast out demons if I myself am a demon? Kingdoms divided cannot stand, nor can divided houses. You can go on and on all you want, but let me tell you one thing. Sins are being forgiven. The only thing you have to do is accept it. If you don't want any part of forgiveness, no worries. You can blaspheme the Spirit all you want, but forgiveness is coming. And then Jesus' mother and brothers, they, they come in order to, to get him to stop. And he delivers the sting of all stings. He says, who? Who are my mother and my brothers? Whoever does the will of God is my mother and my brother and my sister. I know I've preached on this very text at least four times, and I've never really been satisfied with what I've attempted to say. I mean, it's just... 
It's also foreign to our ears. Beezable? Satan? Demons? I mean, we're respectable, respectable Methodists, after all. We don't talk about such strange things here. And that's not even getting into the tricky and rather murky territory of Jesus's rejection of the family unit, something upon which everything seems to be founded in our society and our culture. This little anecdote toward the beginning of the gospel, these, these early stages of Jesus' ministry, it's filled to the brim with conflict and confusion. It forces us, whether we like it or not, to confront the difficulties involved with following the Lord. And yet, it is still all hilariously good news. Now, clashing with the religious authorities, it seems to be Jesus' cup of tea, whether it's eating with the wrong people or, or working on the wrong day or simply saying the wrong thing to the wrong people on the wrong day. Controversy follows Jesus everywhere he goes. Basically, the people with power, they didn't like him. Whenever they heard Jesus preach about the kingdom of God, whenever he went out from town to town, the authorities didn't say, oh, he's just so sophisticated. Oh, have you ever heard such an articulate son of a carpenter in all your life? No, they never said that. They said he was crazy. They said he was out of his mind. But Jesus wasn't out of his mind. I mean, he wasn't a stark reigning loon. It, it, it's just that the stuff he said, it sounds incompatible with reality whenever he is heard from the standpoint of what the world teaches us to regard as good and right and true. Now, everywhere Jesus went, he proclaimed and enacted and embodied a very different sort of reality than the one we are convinced ourselves that we have. Jesus points to a different world that runs completely counter to all of our expectations of life. Now that new, that different reality is called the kingdom of God, in which the first are last and the last are first. The weak are strong and the strong are weak. The lowly are lifted up and the mighty are brought down. Jesus is all about reversal. The Psalms talk about as the, the hills being made low and the valleys being raised up. And it's for talk of such things that everyone thinks Jesus is out of his mind, including his family. Now, maybe, I mean, maybe they had a point. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I'm willing to die for my sheep. That's not a strong plan for a business model. That's a recipe for disaster. Jesus says, I am the fatted calf slaughtered for celebration at the prodigal's forgiveness. That doesn't sound like a program for making the world a better place. Instead, it sounds like a celebration for someone who doesn't deserve it. Jesus says, I am the bread of life and whoever eats of me will never be hungry. Um, Jesus, cannibalism is inadvisable. And even if you're talking about something different, you can't just give yourself away for free. I mean, think about this Jesus. No seminary education. Never published a book, lived with his parents until he was 30 years old. He never held a steady job, never owned a home, never saved away for retirement. He was known for, for going to a lot of parties with 12 unattached men and was regularly accused of disturbing the peace. No wonder everyone thought he was out of his mind. But it doesn't even stop there. Listen to the Lord. You can only grow up by turning and becoming like a child. You can only win by losing. You can only receive by giving. You can only live by dying. Um, thanks, Jesus, but have you got anything better to offer us? Blessed are you who are poor. Happy are you who are hungry. Congratulations are in order for those at the very bottom of life. 
And this is the Lord to whom we pledge our allegiance. Do you remember what St. Paul wrote to the church in Philippi? Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Paul doesn't write to the early church about the need to have the best mind or, or the, 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 the need to go off to study all the important subjects under the sun. No, he says, think like Jesus. What happened to Jesus for thinking like Jesus? His family tried to restrain him. The religious elites called him into question. Eventually, his disciples, they abandoned him. And in the end, we killed him. You know, the crowds were fine up to a point with most of what Jesus said and did. Who wouldn't want to see the hungry filled with good food or the the naked clothed with the finest wares? Who wouldn't want to see the sick healed or the outcast welcome back? But when Jesus started to push into the territory we call the kingdom of God, people got all sorts of upset. It's one thing to talk about raising the lowly, but it's another thing entirely to talk about bringing down the mighty. It's one thing to talk about the inauguration of a new reality, but it's another thing entirely when you start publicly entrusting that kingdom to a bunch of would-be fishermen and tax collectors. It's one thing to talk about the virtues of forgiveness. It's another thing entirely when you yourself are asked to forgive the very people who have wronged you. But out-of-mindedness is rather contagious. At least it has been in the realm of the church. You, know, you just get one taste of that body and blood, you receive one foretaste of grace, and you can't really ever go back. If you think about it, one of the great joys of the Christian faith is that it's actually quite fun to have our minds messed up by Jesus. We, all of us, we have the great and good fortune of being freed from the expectations of reality in order to live into a kingdom in which we are no longer defined by what we've failed to do. Instead, we are defined by what has been done for us. The church really is a new understanding of the way things can be. It might not be easy for us to receive, but the proclamation that those who do the will of God are the family of Jesus, it's great good news. It means that water is thicker than blood. That is, we have a solidarity with others beyond our biological connections. Baptism, the waters of baptism incorporate us into something we would never otherwise have on our own. It implies a desire, a willingness to weep with those who weep, to rejoice with those who rejoice. It means that no matter what you've done or left undone, no matter what we've done or left undone, the church is a community of people who will always be there for us. I mean, could there be anything better than that? But wait, there's more, because the real hilarity behind the good news in our text today is this. We often say that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And for us humans, it's probably true. I mean, how many of us have embarked to initiate a diet only to sneak that extra piece of cake when no one was looking? How many of us have set out to live by a strict budget only to go further into debt? How many of us have made all these promises to make the world a better place only to wake up every day to a world that seemingly is worse than it was the day before? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting something to change, might be definitionally living outside of our minds but not for God. 
because God, unlike us, delights in impossible possibilities. The insanity of the gospel is that over time, God actually changes us. God actually changes the world around us. We are not what we once were because God will not let us stay that way. God, through bread and wine, through water and spirit, through the word, is making all things new, including us. I mean, the liturgy, the the practice of of week in and week out using the same words and saying the same prayers, it isn't an act of craziness. It is instead a fundamental belief in possibility. It is the habituation and the embodiment of things not yet seen. It is literally good news. Jesus, he responds to the accusations and the attacks from the crowds, from the religious elites, and even his family by saying that whoever does the will of God is his family. The will of God, the claim that incorporates and institutes the church, it's a reign of forgiveness, and forgiveness might be the craziest thing of all. Everything about the way we live now is kind of a denial of the power of forgiveness. We've got our minds stuck in the rut of an eye for an eye, but the only thing an eye for an eye accomplishes is an entire society of people who can't see. We've got our minds stuck in the rut of of believing that we should or that we must view one another through our mistakes, our failures, our shortcomings, but doing so only leads to walls of division rather than avenues of connection. We've got our minds stuck in the rut of assuming that things will largely stay the same, but it's living as such that makes things stay the same. Forgiveness means we can't be the same. Forgiveness is an entirely different reality constituted by the Lord. For though we deserve it not one bit, God delights in forgiving us. God took each and every one of our sins, past, present, and future, nailed them to the cross, and left them there forever. Living in the light of forgiveness, that is, doing the will of God, is the recognition that our identities are not based on the ways in which we fail. That's the joy of Christianity. It's an ever-present and unconditional starting afresh and anew in the light of God's grace rather than the shadow of our mistakes. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us in the name of Jesus Christ. You are forgiven, friends. Let us rejoice in the knowledge that Christ has messed up our minds. What could be better? So I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. O Lord, we give you thanks for the insanity of the gospel, for your willingness to come down into the muck and the mire of our life in the person of Jesus Christ, to live and dwell among us, to speak and to heal and to feed and to clothe us in spite of our undeserving, for your willingness to die for us that we might live. We thank you for this wondrous good news, O Lord. Help us to come to grips with what has been done for us, that we might take steps into the ways that lead to life here and now. And all God's people say, Amen. God has gathered us together. God has proclaimed God's word. And now we respond to what God has said and what God has done with the giving of ourselves, our time, our efforts, our thoughts, our prayers, but also 
with the giving of our tithes and our offerings. I encourage you to give with glad and generous hearts to God through the ministries of Cokesbury United Methodist Church. You may give online. The link for doing so is in the video description. You may give by writing a check and sending it through the mail to the church, or if you live locally, we have a drop slot by our main office doors, and you can bring your offering that way. But give. Give with glad and generous hearts as a response to the wondrous good news of God making a way where there was no way. Another way that we like to respond to what God has done and said is by affirming our faith using the Apostles' Creed. So join me now as we affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I'd now like to offer you this blessing and benediction. May the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning and the end, the God of life and of death and of resurrection, help you to see, know, and believe that Jesus was willing to go out of his mind, out of love and mercy and grace for you and for me and for the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Look forward to gathering with all of you next week, whether for our drive-in service or here online, to hear more about who we are and whose we are, and to rejoice in the knowledge that God is for us. Go in peace, be well. Amen, amen, and amen. I, the Lord of sea and sky, I have heard my people cry, all who dwell in dark and sin, my hand will save. I, who made the stars of night, I will make the darkness bright, who will bear my light to them, who shall I send? Here I am, Lord, is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord, if you lead me. I will hold your people in my heart. I, the Lord of snow and rain, I have borne my people's pain. I have wept for love of them. They turn away, I will break their hearts of stone, give them hearts for love alone, I will speak my word to them, whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord, is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night, I will go. If you lead me, I will hold your people in my heart. 
I, the Lord of wind and flame, I will tend the poor and lame. I will set a feast for them, my hand will save. Finest bread I will provide, till their hearts be satisfied. I will give my life to them, whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Is it I, Lord? I have heard you calling in the night. I will go, Lord. If you lead me, I will hold your people in my heart.